from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. The D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible brings Dr. Kennedy's unparalleled commentary alongside the text of Scripture to make clear the foundational doctrines of the faith. Bound in genuine leather, this powerful tool for study and instruction includes over 700 notes and articles from Dr. Kennedy to answer timely questions regarding what God's Word has to say about major issues like political engagement, sexuality, and even socialism. The D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible is an excellent resource because it has the scriptures, the commentary of Dr. Kennedy, which applies these biblical principles to everyday life. Contact us today to receive your D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. America will be going to the polls for a major national election in just a few weeks. And as has been the case for more than a generation, one issue stands atop all others. The abortion epidemic in America is a modern-day holocaust. But all is not lost. The pro-life movement has been peacefully battling abortion for 45 years since Roe v. Wade. And though you don't often hear about it, the movement has had tangible success. There's still a long way to go. And even one abortion is too many. But when we talk about abortion, we're talking about eliminating the lives of real human beings. And the tens of millions of children have been killed this way in America since 1973. How did we get to this point? And what rationalizations allowed our culture to descend into this bloody abyss? My friend and mentor, Dr. D. James Kennedy, sheds light on these questions in his message, Life, an Inalienable Right. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the 139th Psalm. Psalm 139, we shall begin our reading with the 8th verse. May we give our careful attention to the inspired word of our God. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. 
My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! And may God speak to us today from this portion of his holy word. May his name ever be praised. Amen. It was in 1973 that the Supreme Court passed the infamous Roe v. Wade decision. And in that they said that unborn children are not persons and are not deserving of the protection of our Constitution and our law, and thus the American Holocaust was unleashed. Our Declaration of Independence declares that all men have been created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Inalienable rights given by God, and the primary right among these is the right of life. More basic, more fundamental, more important than the right of liberty or the right of the pursuit of happiness is the right of life. Indeed, if one is dead in his coffin, he cares little about whether or not he is shackled or free. He cares nothing about the amount of money that he may have in the, his bank account. If he does not have life, he does not have anything at all. And that governments are instituted, we are told, to protect these rights, and that these inalienable rights cannot be taken away except by the due process of law. Abortion, I believe, is the most flagrant violation of this most fundamental principle of American jurisprudence. But more than that, it is a wanton breaking or fracturing of the divine law which forbids the taking of innocent blood. The Scripture has a great deal to say about those who shed innocent blood and about the displeasure of God that comes upon the land where innocent blood is allowed to be shed. Well, how has this American Holocaust come to pass? Well, we were told by the court that the unborn baby, the preborn, is not a person in the legal sense of that term, and therefore is not deserving of the protections of our Constitution and our laws. Now, I think that it's important that we consider that, that the unborn baby is not a person. It is good to remember the context in which that decision was made in 1973. 
We had just come through the decade of the 60s. All of the moral values, traditions, and rules and laws of life that had governed Western civilization for 2,000 years had been, it seemed, suddenly jettisoned in one decade. And acting in that moral vacuum, the Supreme Court moved to provide what they felt was a solution to the problems created by the blatant and epidemic immorality in America. And so the sin which was engendered in the sexual revolution was to be covered up by the abortion revolution. That has been such a dark blotch on the escutcheon of our country. How could we have allowed such a thing to happen? Well, it begins with semantic manipulation, and it always begins with semantic manipulation. In 1857, in the now infamous Dred Scott decision, the Supreme Court of the United States declared that slaves were not persons in the sense of the constitutional law, and therefore they were not protected by our Constitution or by our laws. Now we look back on that and we say, how could people have been so morally blind, so morally obtuse? How can there have been such moral turpitude as to suppose that these were things which people owned and could do with such as they will, even to the point of killing them? Well, the Bible tells us that light has come into the world and men prefer darkness because their deeds are evil. Neither come they to the light lest their deeds should be reproved that they are wrought in darkness. And so it was done in large measure in darkness, in private, in secret, on large plantations and hid from the eyes in large part of many people. But then men like William Wilberforce in England spoke over and over and over again to the Parliament, had a committee which gathered information on the treatment of slaves and the, the murder of slaves, and finally more and more light came, and though they resisted it steadfastly, finally the light blinded their eyes, and Parliament voted in 1807 to do away with the slave trade. It took light invading the darkness. In 1936, another high tribunal, the Supreme Tribunal of Nazi Germany, declared that Jews were not persons and therefore not protected by the laws of Nazi Germany. And this opened the gates to the Holocaust and millions died. And we say, how could those people have been so morally blind? How could they have been so morally obtuse? How such could such moral turpitude have existed without the people doing something about it? Well, in large measure, it was done in darkness, in private, hidden behind the electrified walls or, or fences of concentration camps. But finally the war ended, the gates were thrown open, and light was shined upon the atrocities, and people responded with horror. They were revolted. They were aghast. 
at what had taken place. But it took the light to do that. In 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States again demonstrated their consummate wisdom by passing Roe v. Wade, and in that they said that unborn children are not persons and are not deserving of the protection of our Constitution and our law, and thus the American Holocaust was unleashed. I am sure that one day people will say, how could have Americans at the end of the 20th century have been so blind, so morally obtuse? How could such moral turpitude have been allowed to continue? How? Because in large measure it has been done in darkness, in abortatoriums. But the light is beginning to shine. Carol Everett, who ran an abortion clinic where she supervised the killing of over 35,000 babies, said the, the most frequently asked question by young ladies was, is this a baby? And the uniform answer was no. It is just a glob of tissue, like a tumor or an appendix. Well, not according to the Bible and not according to science. The Bible is very clear. It constantly refers to the unborn child precisely as that, an unborn child. The same words are used to describe the child in the womb and outside of the womb. In Greek, it is brephos for the unborn child and brephos for a young child lying in a manger. Or the term weos, which is used for son, for one that is born, is also used for one in the womb. In the Old Testament, it is the word yeled, which is used for both. Or also the word geber, which means either the child in the womb or the child outside of the womb. Constantly they are used personal pronouns. It is I or me or thee. It is always referring to a person and not to a thing. Furthermore, we're told about both Jeremiah and John the Baptist that they were sanctified from their mother's womb or consecrated, ordained as a prophet to the nation from the mother's womb. You don't consecrate or sanctify a thing, a glob of tissue, but a person. And the babe in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Things don't have joy. When Mary came carrying Jesus in her womb, no, the Bible is clear. It is a person, not a thing, that is in the womb. It is only by lies and deceptions and deceit that they are able to keep this ghastly thing going. And then there is the so-called pro-choice argument. Again, a large measure of semantical deceit. Pro-choice. Indeed, pro-choice. Surveys have shown that 60% of women who have had abortions have not done it according to their own choice. But according to their testimony, they have done it under duress, under pressure from the father of the child, from their own parents, from friends, from school teachers, from clinic administrators. Abortion is based upon ignorance. I think it's interesting that the word fetus is constantly used. What is fetus? Fetus is a perfectly good Latin word that simply means an unborn child to anybody that 
knows Latin, but to the average American, they might as well call it blah, 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 blah. They don't know what fetus means. I think it's also fascinating that Martin Luther felt that it was absolutely essential if Christianity was going to flourish in Germany to translate the scriptures from Latin, which was the only language they were in, into the vernacular of German in order that people might know what was going on. But the abortionists insist on translating the word baby from the vernacular into Latin fetus in order that people won't know what's going on because deception is essential for the abortion industry. And I would like to say to anybody here who might be so-called pro-choice, though the only choice the abortionists ever give anybody is Tuesday or Friday. When do you want to have the abortion? But any of you that may be pro-choice, I just want to say to you this. You ought to get down on your knees and thank God that your mother wasn't pro-choice. Woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. That's what's happening in our country today. Less than 1% of all abortions are due to the life, threat to the life of the mother. And when a baby is threatening the life of the mother, the surely the baby should be delivered. But that's different than an abortion. An abortion, you're trying to kill the baby. Here, you would attempt to save the life of the mother and of the baby also, if that were possible. That's a totally different matter. And then there is the matter of the right to control our own body. Surely the woman has a right to control her own body. We certainly would grant that. However, we should note that that is not without limits. A woman doesn't have the right to kill her body, even according to law. That is a crime. But the most important thing to remember is the baby is not a part of her body. Every single cell in that woman's body has the same set of 46 chromosomes, exactly the same genes, except the baby, who has an entirely different set of chromosomes and genes. The baby makes its own placenta, it makes its own umbilical cord, it makes its own nest, it has its own blood supply. And in 50% of the cases, the baby is a different sex. It's not part of her body. It's dependent upon her, yes. And they say, well, as long as the baby is dependent upon her, then she should have the right to kill it. May I say to you, a baby that has been born and is six months old is totally dependent upon its mother. Leave it alone for a couple of weeks, it'll be dead. Should we kill babies because they're dependent upon mother? What about old people who are dependent upon nurses and nursing homes and children? They have lost the right to, life to, li right to live also. It's not their own body. I recall seeing a cartoon that showed two babies, beautiful babies, halos around their head, sitting upon a cloud in heaven. And one of the babies is saying to the other baby, 
She had no right to abort me. After all, it's my body. Woe unto that nation that sheds innocent blood, the Bible says. Woe unto those people who have complicity in it. What were the Germans doing? What were you doing? Your grandchildren may ask, what were you doing during the American Holocaust? What did you do to stop it? And they will look back on these days when all of the details will be known to everybody and the mask of silence and secrecy and the darkness will have been taken away and light will have shown and they will see it in all of its ghastly horror. And they will say, how could you have lived during all of that and never lifted a hand or lifted your voice to stop it? How long How long will this Holocaust go on? May we pray. Father, we pray that you will bring a soon end to this great disaster, to this catastrophe which has overtaken our nation, done in silence, hidden away in darkness, And yet these silent sufferers, their blood cries out to God. And, oh, God, we pray that you'll have mercy upon this nation, which should be destroyed entirely because of this alone, even if we had no other sins. We pray for those, oh, God, who have had abortions and those who have caused them, and pray that you'll enable them to find and discover your mercy and grace as they flee to the cross and look up to him, whose hands and feet were pierced, that their sins might be paid for. O God, have mercy upon us as a people. For Christ's sake. Amen. Have you experienced the mercy and grace that Dr. Kennedy just spoke of in his prayer? If you have not, I want to assure you that there is no sin that you could have committed that is so great that God won't forgive you. On the other hand, if you think that God should let you into heaven because of your good deeds, you need to know that the same Bible that tells us that God is love also tells us that God is just and he will not allow sin to go unpunished. The good news is that God sent his only son to pay the penalty for our sins, yours and mine, and he has purchased a place for us in heaven which he offers as a free gift. Today, you can receive the gift of eternal life by faith. That means transferring your trust from your efforts to get into heaven to what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose again three days later. If this is the desire of your heart, pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and not worthy of your mercy, but I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and make me brand new. Thank you for dying for my sins and paying the penalty for me that I could never pay. I place my trust in you alone and thank you for offering me a new life filled with purpose and joy. In your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, then Christ says, 
He who believes in me has everlasting life. I want to welcome you to the family of God. To help you in your new walk with Christ, we want to send you Beginning Again, the book written by Dr. Kennedy for New Believers. It will help you grow in your faith as you read it and put it into practice. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to the address on your screen or call our toll-free number. And may God richly bless you. As Dr. Kennedy challenged us today, your grandchildren may ask, what were you doing during the American Holocaust? What did you do to stop it? It's not exaggerating to say that the future of America depends on Christians going out to vote and to vote biblical values. It's a matter of faithfulness and obedience to God. But far too often today, Christians are confused about what biblical values even are. Our current cultural and political issues are so complex, and it can be hard to sort through all of the Bible's teachings on a particular subject. The work of this ministry is to stand for truth and defend your freedom. We work to bring biblical teaching to bear on the vital issues of our day, like the sanctity of human life, religious freedom, and the threat of social Marxism and more, and to air the timeless and timely messages of Dr. D. James Kennedy. Who else will proclaim biblical truth on these issues with a nationwide megaphone? This viewer-supported ministry is making an impact, but we can only do it with your help. Please consider giving a generous gift today to help us proclaim the gospel and apply the Word of God to our culture via our television broadcasts. It is expensive, as you might imagine, to produce and air these programs, but America cannot be without this clarion call. So please help. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free. 888-332-3069 or go online to djkm.org As our thanks for your generous donation we will send you perhaps the most important resource in the history of this ministry it's the D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible which pulls together all of Dr. Kennedy's biblical teaching on everything from the dangers of socialism to the death penalty Featuring hundreds of articles, the D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible brings the Word of God to bear on the most pressing issues facing each of us and our nation. And we want you to have a copy of this incredible resource. We will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Now, some of you may be able to give $50. Others can give $75 or $100 or more. But please, make your most generous donation and let us thank you by sending you Dr. Kennedy's magnum opus, the D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 
or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.